chatter on for ages. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 66 of the Garage Athlete Show. I can't believe we're on 66 episodes already. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Rachel. So um, Rachel's been a little bit out of action recently, if you guys have been following her socials, etc. So we, we wanted to make sure kind of we jumped on, got a bit of a catch up with herself. Um, I know Dan, well, basically everybody's been really, really busy kind of like these last few weeks. Obviously, I was in the back end of prep. Yourself, you moved. And then you've had a couple of different issues that we'll, we'll probably talk about in a second. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was like a catch up. We're going to have to get one where it's all three of us at least once before New Year. And I'm trying to convince the the new admins of the Home Gym UK group to do a Christmas call on that a call between Christmas and New Year when most people have time off um, like we did last year, because actually that was like one of the most downloaded episodes we had last year. So, um, yeah, how are you, Rachel? It's been it's been a little while. I am alive. Um, mm. Yeah, no, you know, life just happens. Um, like I was saying before, COVID has absolutely battered my body beyond belief. And those kind of reserve energy stores that I had, obviously I used in moving. Um, and then since then, I just, I've been digging myself out of a pit that I haven't been able to get out of. Um, and it's led to my hypermobility massively flaring up. It's affected my hormones hugely. This is just kind of a bit of background of like the, the impact of COVID on me, who was a very active, really healthy person beforehand. Um, it's impacted my kidneys, reduced kidney function, um, hair loss, huge issues with insomnia, appetite, um, my um, prolactin, which is a hormone that is elevated. And it's kind of, at the moment, things are being passed <laughs> with that. Um, That's interesting that you, you've said your prolactin's elevated. When I got my bloods back the other day, mine, mine is also elevated. And we, we have no idea why. <laughs> it's, so this is all, for me, come down from systemic stress. And if you ah, look okay, at stress that, would explain it. That is sort of a body stress response in terms of what happens with the hormonal profile. Because you're... you're your body stays alive in the most efficient way possible and it puts calories and energy to the systems it needs the most and that's why obviously off the back of prep um we get a lot of sort of female competitors who would lose their menstrual cycle for quite a while because you know the the body doesn't see that as an important thing to put energy to because it isn't sort of a survival mechanism it serves as a health mechanism and a health indicator but not in terms of something it needs to have um yeah so for me, that's kind of how that has come out. So that that's really interesting for yourself. Um, for you, it's kind of once you get your other hormone and health marker profiles back to where they should, that is something that should sort of level out as to where it is. Um, with mine, it's really difficult because I need to sleep more to recover, to sort of put everything back in place. But the lack of sleep doesn't impact with that. Um, and every, everything's just a little bit crazy and it's led to my hypermobility becoming a lot worse, um, which has then led to a proximal hamstring tear. Literally out of the blue, I was, um, it was a culmination of recording some client videos, which are just like lateral movement based, not even loaded, um, and then getting out of the car and my right adductor has got crazy range. So I don't know whether it's overextended and ham Hammy's kind of jumped in to save it and then just kind of sacrificed itself. But then I was like, would I rather have a hamstring injury or a groin-based adductor injury? So I think I've kind of come off, for all it's still not great, I think I have come off slightly better. Um, yeah. But it's only been the past couple of days where I haven't been having to go up the stairs, which is where my bathroom is, um, on two hands and one sort of knee and leg to get up. It's literally a pain in the arse because where sort of the tear is, it's up the it's a um, sacral attachment. So it's right, a, right. It's like the where glute. your um where it attaches just under your glute, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm sat sort of propped up with a leg up, with a cushion underneath one bum cheek. Um, I was going to say, if you got one of those little pregnancy ring do donuts, uh, like a hemorrhoid ring, yeah, <laughs> like that. But I need it like for that leg, so. Yeah, it, I just find it really fascinating that the body responds in certain ways to stress and this for me. I'm like, 
right there's literally nothing to do about it but it's using it as a learning curve and also the guy who I'm using for the rehab with my hamstring because the NHS physio around here she was amazing got me in with a guy really quickly because as we know with sort of tears we need to continue with range we need to continue with um function because we don't want something to heal with reduced range and function um I'd started the rehab stuff on my own which was great because I worked with um more medial tears to be honest or ACL in the past but with this I was like is it different purely because of it being such a high attachment but um mm. no it's going really well the guy is he's an NHS um physio and he's a power lifter as well so it's pretty right. cool to kind of troubleshoot things together use things that you he probably wouldn't necessarily use with um sort of the average person going into clinic because it's a, explaining the what's the why's the reason so it, it's been like for all a bit of a shitty experience it's actually been quite a good one and it puts me in I was gonna say you've team. you've come out the other end with a good contact now as well haven't you hugely so it again it's it, again it's just making the best of a, a pretty shitty situation but yeah it, yeah how are you feeling anyway off the back of sort of obviously prep come down competing putting new plans and things into place because i know that is a, a huge one from a mental perspective isn't it sorry uh yes the um so how many weeks am i out now i'm five weeks out now um so at my lightest weight i was 67 and a half kilos and i i was properly shredded like properly diced that's the the first time i've looked in the mirror and gone okay i'm ready now to compete as a bodybuilder like when I competed back in September, I, was, I wasn't in shape. Um, I was in shape by like a normal standard, but then I kind of looked where I'd got to in November, which was what, six, seven weeks later, we pulled off another three and a half kilos of pretty much pure body fat. Um, and then I, I was like truly in shape. So like the package that I brought, I was really, really happy with. Everything that I could control, I had done. So um, ended up getting a third place in the two rows show. And um, actually two rows are really, really good in terms of you can get judges feedback. So like about a week after they put up a post on their Instagram being like, message this guy, he's the head judge. Um, you've got to get it done within seven days because obviously they've got lots of shows and you want to do it kind of while his memory's fresh. So I sent him a DM. He was like, right, can you send your front side and rear shots so i had to go and get my show shots crop me out and send them across and he was like right you've got a great structure conditions on point you just need more muscle in chest shoulders back which is pretty much what me and jake had gathered anyway and it's, it's the plan kind of like we were putting in place so that was really good to get that feedback and to know that basically everything that I could have controlled within that period, like I had done, like you, you can't just grow tissue like that. That that's a time consuming process. Yeah, but social media so, that you can't on, so you know. Yeah, exactly. It's just it, yeah, it's you're just six weeks to shredded, and like you can one hundred percent like add on like ten kilos. Um, but yes, yeah, so from there, what we did was basically food jumped up very, very quickly, like from pretty much the Monday after my show, we put like an extra thousand calories in pretty much all from carbohydrate. Like we said, look, you've got to get some body fat on you. And there's no point trying to sit at this body composition because you're not going to build any muscle tissue. You're just going to be fucking miserable. Um, so basically in about a week, I put on like two or three kilos after that first week. So that first week it was Jake just said to me, look, if you want to train, train, if you don't want to train, don't train. Um, that second week we actually did an active deload week. So I had 10 full days off the gym. And I think I trained once in that first week. I've not taken 10 days off the gym in about six years. Um, so that was actually quite nice. Basically my body had like a full reset. Um, obviously there was a lot more food kind of going in. So I very, very quickly jumped back up to like the early seventies in terms of body weight. Now training's come back in. I've moved to a different gym. It's, it's a PT-led facility over in Newark. It's about 10 minute drive down the A1, but 
the quality of the equipment and stuff that they've got there is next level compared to everything that's like around here. So I've made kind of like quite a few changes, which has meant that like my love of training has come back. Um, I think if I just tried to like carry on training without taking that like 10 day break, I'd have just burnt out. And this is a mistake a lot of people make that when they go for like a really, really like long-term goal and then they just move straight into the next one without taking any time to like reset, to let that fatigue, like I was dieting for 37 weeks. That's what, nine months? Like that is a very, very, very stressful process. So I've seen a lot of guys just go straight from their prep, like straight back into training. And I'm just like, some people can cope with that. Like it's pretty much what I did last time, but I also about a month or two later, like burnt out and just didn't want to train. And then that time between like November and August when I hired Jake, it just wasn't very productive and I got back up to like 80 kilos and looked like a fat slob again yeah, um the interest in all that is obviously as a nutty you've gone and got your blood works done because the perception is that it's not relevant unless you're assisted because mm. hormonally you're not sort of taking in anything which would affect your hormones but as we've just said that is a prolonged period of additional stress on your body life at the minute is stressful enough as it is throw mm. this and the consistency of it on top without any periodization, without any um, sort of mesocycles, macrocycles that are planned out well in advance because you're looking up to bring up certain body parts for in certain periods of time, you adjust, you, you reassess, you adjust, then you go back into your next training block, which is then amended from the feedback that you're getting from the progress that you've made. But if you're not allowing yourself time to stop, reset, reflect, and then move on from there, it's, it's that whole spinning your wheels thing because you've got a destination in mind, but yep. all you've got in front of you is an A to Z, which doesn't have anything planned out on it. It's like, these are your options. So you're like, well, I don't really know what to do with that. I know I'll get somewhere, but it's yeah. not specific or linear in the way in which you need to approach it. But from like the blood side of things, that's giving you a picture of what your priorities are. And obviously as a nanny, your health is your priority there. And yeah getting the health markers in line is only going to serve you achieving those goals in a more physiologically um, safe and I suppose like with greater progress because you're, you're not yeah. fighting your body then are you you're working 100% with that sort of your base level is where it needs to be so you're not your body's not in a sort of um like a fight or flight state you haven't got sort of the adrenal fatigue that's creeping in because it, it's in a like a, it's in a health um space really yeah so that's why so I did my bloods um probably that first week so I trained a few times again um but I'd just come off like a 10-day deload my body fat was like a more healthy level the reason what eventually like tipped it over was like I am like profusely sweating at night at the moment and we can't figure out why it's a really really common side effect of low low testosterone so we wanted to basically I wanted to check that my testosterone kind of like come back to normal I 100% was suffering from low testosterone at the back end of prep like all the symptoms like sex drive was like didn't really um want to like with mood swings or if you look up symptoms of low testosterone like every single one of them i was experiencing in the kind of those last few weeks but by the end of week two like most of it had kind of come back but as i said i'm, I'm still profusely like i'm having to sleep on a towel because i'm sweating so much at night um so we as i said we got my bloods done most of the markers are within the normal ranges now, like testosterone's back up to, I think it was like 16 or something like that, which I was quite, which I was happy with because it's like the middle of the range. I'm probably gonna get my bloods done again in February, March time. So about, uh, I want to get my test done again and see where that is. But I also wanna check my prolactin levels and my liver enzymes were like raised, but they were raised a lot. Um, however, Last time when we did the blood test, I'd trained legs that day and I'd had like a high protein meal, like an hour, hour and a half beforehand. So 
because Natalie was a little bit concerned because like my liver enzyme levels were like 90 something and she because she works in the NHS she's looking at these blood tests all the time and she she was saying well the normal's like 30 so I was like okay however this this and this factor but I think what I can do next time is I can take my blood results to my GP and go right look this and this was like elevated like can I get another blood test done the worst that they can say is no in which case then I'll just have to go and pay for it privately anyway. But at least if I can kind of get a panel done and ask for the, and I'll just say that I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. That's why I'm interested. And then blah, blah, blah. But yes, you can get blood tests done through the NHS. However, nine times out of 10, if you don't have anything physically wrong with you, you're going to find it really, really hard to convince a GP to do it. So that's why I just, I think I went to Medichecks, um, I've got a discount code somewhere for referrals. I'll put that in there. So if you are interested in kind of getting your bloods done, check the, the show notes. There'll be a MediChecks kind of like discount code. And if you don't know which test to do, let me know. And we can have a chat through and I can try and give you a little bit of advice on it. Um, it's something I'm steering a lot of like my male clients, like 30 to 40 now to start to, if you look up symptoms of low testosterone, like that sounds like half the men out there um so it's one of those things i've had a couple of guys that i've worked with now do a blood test and it turns out that they are on low test in which case then they've then gone and had a chat with their doctor and they've been basically put on trt um there's a few different options with that and as long as you're not competing that's not really a problem but you will find like your health improves massively. If you are chronically low in testosterone, you will struggle in terms of building muscle mass, in terms of motivation, your sex drive will be low, mood swings. Like it's, it's not a nice place to be. Yeah. Um, I think, well, not, well, they, they offer a few female ones. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking into getting one done myself if the GP wasn't supportive of me pushing because I've had to go back several times for different types of bloods. And then hormone profiles, but um, they offer a female one, which in a similar respect will give you a good indicator of sort of um, early menopause and menopausal type symptoms. So the important thing is with that um, is to take it on days one to day three of your period bleed, just because of the measurements that come through need to be indicative of where your hormones would be naturally at that time, and um, just. Yeah. To- fever profile um my gp kind of wasn't willing to look at that with me and the difficulty with sort of things at the moment i've spoken quite a few people about it is life is really stressful as we know because of covid everything that's been going on and we're seeing a lot of people who are have got sort of inflamed um like stress markers because of that but we're also seeing that people who've had covid it's in females, it's a massively affect the menstrual cycle. It's also affect the hormone panel as well. So the it's pushing some women towards early menopause, but also in my, as it's coming out in my instance, there's so much crossover between what the symptoms are. Like you've got a list of, I think it's like 64 or something like that. And I could take off loads of them. However, it's known whether that is indicating early menopause onset as in the the body's being pushed into that state because of the stress response or if it is purely the stress response on the body mimicking those that sort of symptom list as such so you do have to go around the houses with things but that was something that I was looking into myself I'm 38 and there's, there's still very very little information known about sort of the earliest age at which you could enter menopause. Um, you know, there's someone who's sort of like late teens, 20s, someone that'll be in their 50s. Um, I spoke to my mum about it. And because there's been such a lack of awareness or knowledge about things in the past, people aren't really too sure. And it's a case of, yeah, women just kind of suffer. You just go through, you have your hot flushes, work is shit, life is shit. But, you know, you just get on with it because it's not the support there. Whereas now, um, we're advocating for more women to have a voice to have a say. There is HRT available to support you to match your hormone profile to make the transition through in your later life, which can be in another 50 years of your life, much more manageable, much more bearable, allow you to stay in the job, 
allow you to have enjoyment and quality of life, allow you to have a sex life, allow you to enjoy what you're doing without it being affected by something which, based on nature, based on hormones, you can't control. This is going to happen to every woman on the planet, irrespective of whether it's medically induced, irrespective of whether it comes earlier in life or later. But there is the support there now. And it's just understanding that it's not something we have to tolerate. But this, like I said, MediChecks have got those um, those checks in place for you to take. It's just knowing about which one to take and at the right time and what you're actually looking for. If you're not being supported by your GP, um, each GP surgery does or should have a menopause expert. Um, Louise Newsom, who is amazing, she has put some free training in place for every GP practice to have um, a menopause expert in there, whether it's a nurse practitioner or GP. So they've got an increased level of knowledge to support any woman going into practice. So just know that you can request an appointment with the person in the surgery who knows the most about things instead of going through several appointments to speak to someone before anything's even addressed or looked into. Makes sense. Right. Um, on that note, shall we get into some questions? I managed to actually remember to put a question box in the Facebook group this time. So Roger Pegg has asked, what is your favourite exercise and one you hate the most, not cardio? You go so what's your favourite? I was going to say, what's your favourite exercise? I love... strongman events for me it would be like atlas stones mm. just because of just the, the it's kind of it's the whole body sorry postman's just smashed something through mm -hmm. um it's just sort of the 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 power and the feeling of actually what you're achieving and what you're doing it's difficult it's hard and it's a sense of satisfaction once you've actually achieved it yeah mm. I, I miss those <laughs> and what about your most hated exercise most hated bulgarian split squat it's always going to be that isn't it because oh my god there's nothing worse when you the weight's literally dropping out of your hands if you're not using sort of any grips or anything and yeah you literally feel like how, how how am i going to get one more rep on this and not just melt into the floor mm. how about you um, in terms of favorite, like my favorite exercise tends to move around a lot. Obviously, being a bodybuilder, like I, we vary exercises like quite a bit. Like my favorite exercise at the moment is the incline Smith bench, um, just because I'm I'm able to really quite well load up quite a lot compared to what I can with like like my dumbbell Smith no my, my dumbbell incline dumbbell bench or with just an incline barbell bench um and the tempo and it just it just feels because it's safe as well like that's one thing when you're training like at home on your own like going to actual failure with a barbell it's quite scary because even if you've got the, the, the safeties there, it's just a bit like, is this bar going to land on my face? So is it going to land on the, the safeties? Whereas with the Smith, like I, I know it's safe. I can take it to actual failure. And if I fail the rep midway through the rep, I can twist it and, and kind of like rack it up. So it just it's just allowing me to actually like push myself that little bit further than some of the like the completely free weight exercises are able to. Like if I was in a gym and I could just like drop the dumbbells down or I, I had a decent spotter, then it, it might be different. But like my um, pressing, all my pressing has been done at home. Yes, pretty much at the moment. And you've already nicked my most hated uh, exercise. Um, you have it. It's a shit one, isn't it? It's yeah, Bulgarian split squats. Like I program them a lot. They are so so good for you. They just hurt so much. And where as you're doing them, you're just like, why do I put myself through this? And then you just remember about all the, like the benefits of it. And it's just like. Roger is one of my clients and Bulgarian split squats are in his program. He's suffered with knee pain for years. And since we started doing, so we tried to do them as an exercise first and he, he couldn't do it. So we've just done it as a stretch now. So he literally holds onto a rack and goes into a Bulgarian split squat and stretch. And that lengthening of the hamstring, his knee pain is nearly gone. Like it, 
that's one of the big things. Not the like, hamstring, the hip flexors, not the hamstring, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. One of the big things, it's like, for all you might want to do an exercise because you've seen someone do it or you know the benefits to it. If you can't do that, it's a case of either working with a coach who will break down and assess, is that appropriate for you? Or mm. assess what is stopping you being able to access that? Is it something which also affects you in other movements? If so, that's something you need to address. And people who sit for work a lot, drive a lot, chronically tight hip flexors. So mm. it's, but though they need to be stretched, but also loaded in a lengthened range. So the body neurologically processes that this is a safe place to be in. I can, mm. I'm okay, I begin to kind of control. I love isometrics for those as well, because yeah. again, getting that kind of simulation in the body, body's awareness of the position, how to manage it, how to breathe in the position as well. Yeah. And how to get out of the position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that covers that one. So I think it's universally hated as an exercise, but we all know it's very, very beneficial. So you're opening your own gym for your customers. What's the first piece of equipment you buy? So obviously you've got first-hand experience of this. Um, knowing what you know now is the answer different. So let's go. When you opened your gym, what was the first piece of equipment that you bought? And now that you've been through that whole cycle of opening and then closing and opening a private facility now, like, has that answer changed? And I need to nip to the loo because I'm still on like five meters of water. <laughs> okay. Um, so in getting everything to start the gym when we first opened it, I was kind of using my dad's garage as the storage space to house everything and just picking up bargains as and when they came up. That was with... Um, Obviously, that was that was for a gym which is going to be like strength and conditioning and strongman based. And um, so the priority there was having a, a range of equipment. I wouldn't say there was any one piece which had greater weight in than others. Um, but at the time, it was having it, it was having a, a decent bar, but that wasn't the priority then. Whereas now, it was it, it sort of was um and something which i didn't have initially so this is kind of a cheap this is a second one that i didn't have initially which i've got now is a smith machine and the reason for that um and i know dan and i have kind of debated on this one a little bit um so originally Dan, i was saying it was a, the bar like initially it, it there wasn't a sort of a, a one answer it was a case of just getting equipment because it was strength and condition, it was strongman gym, so there was no kind of fixed, I must have this, it was everything has a priority. Um, yeah. What I'm saying is that it's a decent bar, um, which is kind of an all-rounder, and putting money towards something and getting one good one. Um, and the other one was, as I was saying with Dan, we had a little bit of a debate over me wanting to get a Smith machine, and the re my reason for that was for the clients I've worked with, um, getting people under a bar, not, not too soon, but under a bar safely um, with the clients I've worked with, it comes down to a lot of proprioception and their awareness of their body position while still being able to maintain positioning in a lift, um, whilst having an awareness of kind of what they need to do, how to breathe, how to move, and for um, injury rehab as well. I, I really like the Smith machine. I like what it allows you to do, the safety element of it, what it takes out structurally. Whereas when, I, when I've thought about things in the past in my own experiences with the Smith machine, where that it puts you into that fixed position. Whereas my, my thought process now is, yes, there's a fixed position, but you are not a fixed human. So you can mm. position yourself around that fixture to get out what you need. So putting a wedge in place, using bands, um, using different heights of benches and things like that. So I do find it really useful from that perspective. And again, as we just said, that's safe overload. And if I'm then moving away from a client and I'm like, they're a bit worried about not being able to kind of re-rack, get away, it, it takes that safety sort of aspect away from them needing you as well. Yeah, so yeah, 100% with, as you said, with the type of clientele that you work with, I can completely understand um, that reasoning. So I think for me, if I was opening my own gym, um, so if this was like, 
a large commercial gym and like a garage gym, it's a different answer. So a large commercial gym, it'll be a full set of dumbbells. Um, just because I find that a lot of people are um, left and right, like unbalanced. Um, a lot of my programs, I use a lot of dumbbell work because basically with home gyms especially like a lot of people are using barbell stuff so they're not addressing those muscle imbalances so you get their first set of photos through and you're like right this person is really tight down their right hand side and you end up having to do a lot of unilateral work just to kind of like rebalance that out before then starting to then load those bigger movement patterns um so if it was a garage gym it's a similar answer but it'd probably be an adjustable dumbbell set just because it takes up less space, nine times out of 10, they're less expensive as well. Like if you're looking for a full set of dumbbells from like 2.5 up to say 40 kilos, you're looking at what, 1,200, 1,500 pounds. Whereas you can get an, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of companies that do an adjustable set up to that size. And you're probably looking at eight, maybe 900, but you've got all those increments in it and they, they change a lot faster. So it's one of those things I like dumbbells, like as the feeling in hand, and I can use a 1500 pound spend on dumbbells as a tax deduction. So that's why I have that for my own home gym, but not everybody is self-employed and kind of like has that luxury. So yeah, it'd be a, a set of dumbbells that is fit for purpose. Um, and then after that, it's again, it depends on what type of facility you want to run. If you want to run a bodybuilding gym or if you want to run a CrossFit gym, like your priorities in terms of your kit are going to be completely different. So, yeah, it's uh, for me, obviously, I'd be wanting to run more of a bodybuilding gym. So then it's looking at different machines, racks, all that kind of stuff. OK, any tips on getting through a workout after a stressful day? I find the negative headspace really makes every rep about 20 times heavier and I give up. Um, so this is hard for me to yeah. answer because for me, a workout takes away from my stress. So I actually use exercise to get over a stressful day. So what I would say is how you're framing the exercise as something that you have to do is adding to that negativity. So you've just got to be very, very careful about the way in which you name, the way in which you think about things can have a massive effect on the outcome. So the easiest way to like explain this, if you think about this, there's two people going on a skydiving trip. They both jump out of the plane. One of them is absolutely shitting themselves. They scream all the way down. They close their eyes. They feel like they're about to die. The other person is having the time of their life. They are screaming. Their adrenaline's up. Their cortisol's up. Both of them will have adrenaline, cortisol, all the same hormones and the exact same experience. One of them absolutely fucking hates it. And the other one absolutely loves it. They feel like they're having the time of their life. It's the exact same situation, but how they're thinking about it changes how their physiology reacts to them. For one of them, it's highly stressful and they will get away and they will feel drained from it. The other one, it's highly exhilarating. They'll feel energized. The exact same situation, the exact same hormones, but how our brain interprets that message has massively affected kind of the outcome. It's the same thing when you're thinking about training. So one, does your training session excite you? Are you doing things in there that you enjoy? If you are not, you need to find a different way to train. If you're not enjoying it, then there's no tips on how to get through a workout when you've had a stressful day because doing the workout is adding to your stress load rather than taking away from it. Whereas when you frame it in a way that I'm doing this exercise for me, because I enjoy it, because I enjoy the feeling afterwards. So it might not be, you just might not enjoy weights as much. You might prefer to do a HIIT workout. You might prefer to do CrossFit. You might prefer to do powerlifting. So rather than doing like lots and lots of reps, you just want to do 
couple of heavy singles. You might prefer to do bodybuilding. Like, I don't know. There's not enough kind of like context to this. But my number one thing was would be like, look at how you're framing your exercise session because by the sounds of it, it's adding to your stress rather than taking away from it. Um, is there anything you want to add to that, Rach? I think it's just sort of assessing things outside of the training, as in, is this always the case? Is there anything you can do to mitigate that? Is there a possibility of getting an earlier session in? Or on the days where you know that it's, it's going to be really stressful? Like, do you have, irrespective of what's going in life, on in life, a minimal effective dose of a training programme that you know you can and always would go and stick to because you enjoy it? There's nothing worse than having a really stressful day you're trying to get to the gym, you're stuck in traffic, you get there, it's absolutely heaving. You, you've kind of built this mental picture of everything being harder, even more work, even worse, more stressful on your way there. So it, it's just reframing and giving something some perspective, as in, not is there any point in going and doing this, but am I going to go and get out of the session what I want to, or is it going to frustrate me more? Is there a way in which I can approach this? Can I go later? Or do I take this as an unplanned rest day and be cool with that? Because all that is doing is adding more stress to you. Going into a gym, you can't get on the equipment you want to get on. You've got a training plan that you can't follow. So in your head, it's you literally going in there and you're dicking about because there's nothing that you've got access to that support or is another alternative to your programming. However, if this is something which happens repeatedly and you've got a coach, liaise with them say to them right on the days when the gym is busy if you've got an alternative program because i know that this year area is free all right and get hold of this could they program you something which is still effective to match your goals or use it in a way to address something that you need to could it be the case of right you know that you need to do some additional work on your arms on your shoulders whatever you've got access to this equipment is this kind of a secondary like side type additional nice extra session you could do every now and again and at that time it's appropriate to do because you've got access to that kit so it's about having a toolkit of resources which is also not just kind of what can I do in the gym but also the the mental and reframing aspect of it as well um like no one can tell you that you should go and do something you know your own body better you know your own responses better but irrespective of that it's always acting in your own best interest and sometimes that best interest might be to have that rest day because from a stress response your body isn't going to be in a good position to actually train to grow muscle to recover in between because you just added to sort of that stress bucket as such definitely so from the same individual and since this is my preferred way to do it but can't so i have the above to contend with any tips on how to get up early without waking the rest of the house up in the process i.e no loud alarms james edwards has said smartwatch with a vibrating alarm and louisa said i actually have one of those but seems to also know how to switch it off in my sleep i i'm the same at the moment when it's really dark like I roll over, switch my alarm off, and then, like, I woke up, my alarm goes off at 7, and then woke back up at 20 to 8. Um, and Willow's meant to be, like, at nursery for, like, we normally set off for nursery at quarter past 8 when I'm normally awake from 7. So, yeah, this morning was a rush. Um, so it depends on whether your partner minds waking up early, how sensitive your partner also is to light. So there's an option called a Lumi lamp, which um, basically, so say you want to get up at seven o'clock from about half past six, I think it is, um, a light will start on, but it starts off like a low lamp and then slowly gets brighter and brighter until seven o'clock. And then like for mine, the alarm, which is like a sound, is like birdsong or something like that. Something that's not like, a sudden sharp shock uh but what you're meant to do is you're meant to turn the lamp like away from your face so that essentially is lighting up like the wall that's like opposite so if you normally sleep on your side you'd get it to light up that wall that's like the far wall and then what happens is because it's like a gentle light and then it's kind of like slowly like lighting up it's like a sunrise so your body will wake up in a more natural way which means sometimes you'll wake up like as soon as the light goes on if you're like ready to wake up at that time other times it'll be like 15 minutes in other times it'll be like 
at the seven o'clock mark. But what, what it means is you wake up not in that fight or flight state. So when you get a loud alarm and it's dark, you're probably going to wake up mid-sleep cycle, which is why you feel groggy and bleh. Whereas with a Lumi lamp, because it starts off light and it slowly, it, and it's mimicking a sunrise, basically your brain recognizes that the sun's rising and it will naturally bring you out of that sleep. So you don't feel as groggy, et cetera. And also because it's actually like a lamp or an alarm, it's very, very hard to switch that off in your sleep. The other option would be a vibrating alarm and you, you set like multiple of them. So rather than it just being one, you do like one, you do like four at like five minute intervals to like make sure that you're up. Um, just off the back of that, um, what you can look at there, you've just briefly touched on it. So sleep cycles, if you can kind of reverse engineer your sort of sleep and wake time as well, knowing how long it normally takes you to get asleep. And if you try to set the alarm for the end of like repeated sleep cycles, knowing how long you normally sleep for and kind of program it as such, your body again isn't waking up mid sleep cycle which is a bit more disturbing for it because it's not in a restful state. Well, it's in a restful state and it's being kind of alerted and forced out of that um, when it wouldn't choose to be. So kind of reverse engineering, knowing that your sleep cycles are 90 minutes, how many sleep cycles do you normally get in um, and kind of work backwards in terms of go, when you go to bed and set your alarm. And then just to support that, looking at kind of your circadian rhythm. So when you wake up in the morning to support you actually getting up the next morning, getting some light exposure and then getting some um, daylight outside time during the day. For all this cloudy and shit, because we're in England and this is pretty much a weather for most of the year, there, there is still light. There is still light that filters through the clouds, through the gray, through the crap. Getting outside and actually getting some sunlight into your eyes and onto your body counts for a lot and it can help alleviate a lot of sleep problems. The more, like, in, including sort of issues with waking up naturally yourself as well the more time we do spend outside so i often program clients on rest days to go for a walk outside because sometimes and i'm guilty of it myself we don't take ourselves outside it's easy not to it's freezing like you just don't want to be outside it's dark but actually just getting some walk outside in some form of daylight around some green stuff will do wonders for pretty much anyone and anything 100%. Um, it's one of the best things about having a dog. It like forces me to get outside, even in the winter when it's horrible and it's raining and because it's wet and cold, like it is 100% my responsibility to walk the dog. Um, sometimes Natalie will help me walk the dog, but most of the time it's just like, yeah, you go do it. Um, so yeah, that's um, it's one of the things that's keeping my steps like above eight to 10,000. Whereas if I looked at like this time last year, you can guarantee it was like four to six on a good day. Um, whereas now it's, it's, she's probably, it's probably the dog walk is going to drop down to like once a day now, but she gets like a one long one hour walk. Whereas before she was getting like two 40 minute walks. Um, just because it's it's a night like getting with especially if i've got willow with me trying to get a three-year-old into like a snowsuit and wellies and everything like that and then it just it the walk takes at least an hour when i've got willow with me anyway because my normal like half an hour route is not half an hour with a three-year-old he wants to stop wants to look at stuff wants to pee like no matter how, if we go to the toilet right before we leave Halfway around the dog walk, Daddy, I need a wee wee. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, I think that about covers the questions. There wasn't that many, but I think we went into a decent amount of detail on them because actually we've been on the phone nearly an hour. So that level of questions is actually quite nice when me and you get on when me and you get on a call because we like to go off on tangents. So anything, any news announcements or anything you want the people to know before we go? Um, not such, but at the moment on my Instagram, I've got like a series, kind of a helping trainers, helping PTs, helping coaches. And I know in the home gym group, we've got a few PTs and coaches in there. And I'm running a little bit of a um, helping you help your client series in terms of looking at pelvic health. And this isn't just, this isn't for your, just your postnatal. It's not for your just menopausal. It's for fucking everyone. So if you're a PT or a coach, it's free read it it will tell you information that you don't learn on your level two level three that you don't learn on your pre and your postnatal 
and that if you work with people with a pelvic floor, everyone, and who move, everyone, and who breathe, everyone, just, just read it and hopefully it'll give you a bit of food for thought on what you're actually doing with people because I'll have DMs, I'll have questions coming into my inbox and I appreciate that people love working with their coaches but their coaches aren't always supporting them with their right things and if you have a coach and you know that they're not taking certain things that I've mentioned into consideration, share it with them. I'm not here to call anyone out, I'm not here to judge anyone, what I'm trying to do is get more support to more people in ways that make sense and can be applied. It's free. This information isn't out there, anyone. It's stuff I use with my own clients and have amazing results. It's stuff I coach in my workshop with, um, like for different gyms, PTs, and actually for coaches themselves. So just have a look at it, have a read over it, send me in questions about anything. Um, but yeah, that's what I've got going on at the moment. Obviously, NHS-wise, um, I'm having to work from home for my calls and work because my from where I live to work is like 45 minute drive and then parking in the mad hospital car park and then getting into where I actually work is a trek in itself and I can't because what I've created with the role is um, everything's very much movement based loading the pelvic floor and have the control and move the body in different ways because we're a whole body system and um, I can't demonstrate much of it at all so it's it's great that I've created this and we're doing it but I can't actually demonstrate it. And as we know, people have very little body awareness, very little body mm. literacy, and often need like support physically to be put into certain positions or for you to demonstrate. So touch all of the wood. Um, my hamstring will heal like the legend it is, and I'll be back to play in January. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with everything. Um, life's taken a bit of a detour on the uni front, but we detour we navigate this is what we do Don, isn't it yeah so for me um, i'm having a bit of a rebrand in terms of like basically my my instagram just got a bit messy because uh, i was competing i picked up a lot of new followers that were watching me as a bodybuilder not as a coach so um i've had to sit down and then to think about like where I want to put like certain content. So like my bodybuilding, especially like my off season stuff is going to move now onto YouTube. So I'm doing a vlog. I try to get out at least one to two videos a month in terms of like my training, my nutrition, like just me talking to camera and just kind of like running through my life as an athlete. And then Instagram now is going to be focusing more on like the coaching side of stuff, which is why I'm seeing like, <laughs> I'm actually like losing followers at the moment. because I'm speaking more about coaching. And obviously a lot of people signed up and like, right, I'm signed up to use a bodybuilder, not as a coach. But anyways, that's by the by. Um, so some of you'll notice like my Instagram handle has changed. It's now the dad bod underscore coach. Um, I'm going to be focusing more on like a 30 to 40 year old, like men whose basically life is like taken over. They tended to be like, kind of like fit and healthy in like their early twenties. They played sport. They did all these things. Basically I'm coaching myself from five years ago. So, um, like basically they've got families, they've got jobs, they've got all these plates to spin and they struggle in terms of taking control of like their health and their fitness. So it's about putting, basically I'm putting like an education platform together. So it's going to be a 90 day plan that goes on top of my coaching plan. That's at the moment. So you'll have all the coaching side of stuff that I already do. So the check-ins, the program, the accountability, all that wonderful stuff. But then there's going to be a 12-week like course that goes with it. That's going to run through and give you then the tools in order to be able to achieve a transformation. So it's week one is going to be this, week two is going to be this, week three is going to be this. Um, there's going to be a lot more like live teaching from myself lots and lots of resources and stuff so i'm building that in the background at the moment um but if people like go onto my instagram you'll start to notice there's a lot of like changes going on in terms of like the branding and the whole message that's going out there so yeah there's a there's something big coming in in january 2022 yeah that's where it is isn't it? yeah january 2022 
I have no idea. The last two years have just been may as well just write them off. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be really really interesting next year. I've learned a lot through this prep that I can then now apply to my clients, and it's it's just one of those things. Like if I can bodybuild and still have a degree of balance, like even just 50% of the stuff that I was doing, if you're able to do that, in theory, you should be able to achieve a transformation. Yeah, I think a lot of it is every time you go through a new experience yourself or you work with different people, the service that we provide should always evolve to include that because ultimately it's you reinvesting and, you know, life changes and we need to be responsive and reflective to that and give people the tools to deal with that as well. Otherwise... Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not us reinvesting in our business. It's not us educating our, ourselves on our sort of knowledge deficits. It's not us seeking support where we know we can't provide that support or experience ourselves. Mm. And I'll, I'll always say, I'm like, I'm, I never sort of, I've never coach clients or anything like that, but I'll always say to someone, whatever outcomes you have is an investment shows where your time and money investment goes and you can say anything you want to say but actions and money and time speak a lot louder than words so mm -hmm. it's just be careful obviously people going into new year choosing to work with a coach or choosing to join the gym downloading programs or that and the other buy right instead of buy thrice or mm -hmm. waste six months speak to people if you're looking to do things now the chance to just have if anyone is a decent coach they'll offer you a consultation call free because it's finding the right fit they should have reviews there they should have potentially other clients that previous clients that they could even speak to because they want to know that is this the right choice for them are you definitely the right person to help them and anyone should be able to provide you with that reassurance as well um yeah so it's a good place to finish just to sort of say like yeah. you know, th this has been a bit of an up and down roller coaster year for everyone, but it's just taking sort of the, the lessons learned and not repeating mistakes. Like, 100%. I don't intend to tear another hamstring. That's <laughs> um, but as I said earlier in the year, it's been a real health focus priority for me, and it yeah. still continues to be because I'm getting older and my body is clearly not able to respond to stress in the way that it used to. So there are things I know I need to address within my lifestyle, which is just calming the fuck down a lot of the time and then not going balls to the wall with absolutely everything. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it. So um, been great to catch up with you, Rachel. And I'm sure we will get another one of these in soon. Cool. All right. Cheers. No worries. Bye for now. Bye.